So um, before we get started, I want to give you all a quiz. So it's a, it's a knowledge quiz, so I want you all to shout out loud, and if you're wrong, then everyone will judge you. So, um, so uh, let's start with this quiz. Let's see, this is a fill-in-the-blank quiz, so let's see if you've got this. Ding-dong, the, the witch is dead. Okay, all right, so you're 100% so far. All right, the next one. London Bridge is falling down. Okay, you got that. Uh, in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the, the lion sleeps tonight. Okay, all right. We all live in a yellow... Submarine. Okay, all right. So how about this one? Let's see what the next one is. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Okay, you know that. All right. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Okay, okay. Uh, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let the earth receive her king. Okay, that was a little more struggle. Too many lines. All right. Um, how about this one? The Lord is my... Shepherd. Okay, you guys are going to be great on, what is that, a uh, uh, family feud? Whatever it is, you're going to do great on that. So, be still and know that I am God. Okay, and then, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain, labor in vain, different translations, whatever you learned. Okay, all right, and I think that that's it. Is that it? Okay, all right. So, you all passed. You give, give yourselves a credit. So, um, so you are, uh, you're, you're 100% students. So, um, we're going to start a new a new series today, and I am really excited about it. I went back and I looked, and in nine years of preaching, I have only preached on the Psalms once, except at funerals. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Psalms, and I think you're going to appreciate it because because of the same reason, really, that that I preach at the Psalms mostly at funerals. It's because the Psalms are great, and the Psalms are about topics that people really care about. They're about the universal things that really matter to us, life and death and God and the things that we're really, that, that really matter to us. So, um, my guess is that you're going to get a lot out of, uh, our study of the Psalms. Um, I know that I, I've been looking forward to this. And, um, the, the reason is that the Psalms are, um, they're, they're, they're these universal things that, that people care about, but also they, they have, a way of saying things. You know, it's not that they're right or wrong. It's that they say what we wish we could say. And it's like, oh, I wish I'd put it that way. I, I had this idea in my head, but I didn't quite know how to put it. And the psalm kind of helps me put words to the thing that, that I'm thinking about. And that's one of the great things about the psalms. If you're kind of wondering, I don't even know what to say here. The psalms are great for giving you the words to say. And we're going to see that over the next couple of weeks. The other thing that's good about the psalms is they're short and sweet. They are mostly short. In fact, uh, the one we look at today is just six six verses long, uh, and that's true of a lot of the psalms. Probably the majority of them are fairly short. There are some very long ones, and in fact, the longest uh, the longest chapter in the Bible is not really a chapter. It's one of the psalms. It's Psalm one nineteen, and it is the longest chapter in the Bible. But it's actually pretty short because what it is is a bunch of eight verse psalms. Uh, but they're all put together. So the first ones, the first eight verses all begin with the letter A. The next eight verses begin with the letter B and so forth. So it's actually a collection of short, short, um, poems all strung together. So they're usually short. And the reason for that is pretty obvious. It's because they are songs. They are not epic poetry. You know, if you think back to, um, to high school and you had to read Beowulf or something and, uh, you know, you have this kind of terror of epic poetry, you know, or, or the Odyssey, they made you read a chapter or something. And, you know, if, if you, if you read that and you love it, that's great. But a lot of us kind of remember, you know, 
the Canterbury Tales or something. And we just, uh. So um, the Psalms are not like that. They are songs. And like most songs, they're short. Um, if you think about it today, you know, what's the, what's a big complaint, you know, that, that nobody listens to the deep cuts on my album. They only listen to the, the top 40 airplay song. That's the reality with songs is they have to be short. They have to be sweet. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't be um, profound. They can be very profound. The Psalms are, are mostly, I would say, all of them, very profound ideas. But the poet is constrained by the medium to make it really march. He can't spend forever telling things, you know, setting things up and so forth. The poet has to really get his idea across very quickly. Uh, there's not a lot of mystery. There's not a lot of puzzle. They're usually pretty, pretty simple to understand, um, even if the topic is, is very deep and rich. So they're short and sweet. Um, uh, like most songs, you think about the songs we know, right? What are they mostly about? Um, you know, the songs I can think of are mostly about I'm in love or I've broken up or I've been dumped or, or I'm dumping you and we are never, ever, ever getting back together. You know, that's kind of what most songs are about. Um, I grew up in the 1970s uh, listening to a lot of AOR rock. And so I would add two categories to that. One is I like to party all night and all day. And then maybe um, uh, my record label stinks and they rip me off. Um, so those would be kind of the big categories of songs back in the 70s. If you listen to country and western, it's still kind of the breakup songs, the 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 love songs, the, the breakup songs. But then you can throw in prisons and trains and alcohol. So that's kind of country music. What? <laughs> Pickups. Okay. And dogs. <laughs> so, so, you know, most songs have one idea. And that's true of the Psalms as well. That there's just one basic idea. So, um, uh, the, the other thing about them being songs is that, that we, we don't have the music. We say, well, they don't look like songs. I don't see any notes in here. Uh, that's actually a good thing because honestly, if we could still remember what David's music was when he wrote the Psalm, we probably wouldn't like it because we're from a different culture and we go, ugh, that is a, you know, I mean, it's like if you go to a different part of the country and you say, I don't like banjos or I, I don't like tubas or whatever they play there. Um, you just kind of say, well, that's just not my style of music. And the good thing about the Psalms is because we don't have the music, every generation is able to make new music. They can make, uh, you know, ragtime Psalms or they can make hip hop songs or anything in between. And that's true for every culture, too, because the other neat thing about the Psalms is that the poetry can be translated so easily. C.S. Lewis was a professor at Oxford and uh, Cambridge. That was his day job when he wasn't writing Christian books. He, his day job was being a professor, and I forget, languages or uh, ancient or, or European literature or something like that. He knew a lot of cultures. He knew a lot of languages. He he wrote uh, scholarly material on different translations of 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 uh, literature in the in the medieval period and he said one of the things that always struck him about the psalms is how simple the poetry is to translate if you're going to translate most poems you've got to somehow match up with the poetry of that culture and the psalms lend themselves that because hebrew poetry is so simple you know if you think of what's a simple poetry for us the simplest kind of poetry for us is probably like a limerick right Right? I mean, if somebody told you to write a poem, you might say, oh my goodness, I can't write poetry. So you might try a limerick because they're so simple. But even there, a limerick, you have to make it rhyme, right? There's the, the two lines rhyme and then the two more rhyme and then the last one rhymes with the first two, right? You've got to make it rhyme. You don't have to do that with a psalm. 
Um, how about if, 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 uh, it, I don't know, the, the thing that they told us to do in high school, the simple poetry we had to write was haiku, right? Because everybody can write haiku. Um, I don't know if anybody in Japan can. Maybe it's trickier in Japan. But in New Mexico in the 1970s, anybody could write haiku. All you had to do was count. But you did have to count. You had to make all the syllables work out. You had, you know, five, seven, five, or whatever it was. So, you, you know, haiku was not easy. With Psalms, it's so easy. The easy thing about Psalms, I mean, the only thing about Psalms is the easy thing. All you have to do is repeat yourself. So, so you just say the same idea that you just said, but you give it a little twist. Maybe you add some color. Maybe you add some dimension. You add kind of a different perspective on what the idea is behind it. And that's really what is the key to reading the Psalms. So they're the easiest kind of poetry to read, and they're also a very easy kind of poetry to translate. So um, what I'd like to do is, that's kind of, that's what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. And what I'd like to do is, is kick off the series today by just looking very quickly at Psalm 1. We're not going to look at all the Psalms. There's 150, it would take us three years. So I'm just picking one because it is, like I said, it's a great example of a psalm because it's short and because there's one idea. And the idea here, the idea in this psalm is how to be happy. Uh, one of the neat things about the psalms is they're usually very practical. There are some very theological songs, but not many. Most of the psalms are very concerned with nuts and bolts, down-to-earth, daily living. They're not as concerned about about you know what's going to happen in the sweet by and by. They're more concerned about, God, are you paying attention to what's happening right now? Do you care about what's going on in my life right now? The Psalms are very practical. And this is a very practical Psalm. How can you have a happy life? I know some of you are hoping to have a life that's filled with pain and sorrow and suffering. This is not your Psalm. This is a Psalm for people who are concerned with, how can I have a happy life? And so that's what it's about. So it begins with that very idea. Happy are those. If you want to be happy, start here. Okay, happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. Now notice what's going on there. There's that Hebrew repetition you see. Uh, three ideas, but they're really the same idea. What are they? They're taking advice, taking a path, or sitting in a seat. Okay, of what kind of people? Wicked, sinners, scoffers. So they're taking one idea and kind of repeating it with a little bit more development. And actually, if you look at that, you see it's kind of starting with, I just took some advice, and then I took the path, I kind of made it a a well-worn track, and then finally I just sat down and camped out there. So the idea is it's kind of a a growing familiarity with the ways of of wicked people. Who are wicked people? Uh, They're not bank robbers and, and murderers, usually. I mean, those are, but... But the idea here is people who don't have any use for God, scoffers, sinners, wicked people. The idea here is here's a path that is the path taken by people who have no use for God. But there is another path, and that's where he goes on. He says, um, so all we've heard so far is who are not happy. And now he says, who are happy? Happy are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, they meditate day and night. So this is how you get happy. You delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law they they meditate day and night. So again, you see the repetition. The same idea repeated two ways. You delight in the law of the Lord, and you meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. This word meditate um, means to mutter to yourself. Have you ever, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a saying, 
when you, uh, how does this go? Uh, when you start having more conversations with a person in your head than you do in real life, you know that that relationship has got a problem. And it, there are things that kind of get under our skin and we talk about, right? We, we go out to mow the lawn, but we're having a conversation the whole time. That's what they're talking about is, can you, can you meditate on the law of the Lord all the time? Does it get under your skin? Does it make you think? Do you have conversations with yourself about the law of the Lord? So that's the picture here. But it still hasn't told us why that is. All it's saying is there's two paths. There's the path that the ungodly take, and you can go as far down that path as you want. The other path is people who delight in the law of the Lord. And then in verse 3, we find out why. It says, they, the people who delight in God's law, are like trees planted by the streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. So that's the idea. And then the repetition, in all that they do, they prosper. So uh, the idea here is, you know, you can imagine an arid culture uh, like the Middle East. They need water for plants to survive. They don't get a lot of rainfall during the dry season. So what do you do? You plant your trees by water if you want them to ha- if you want them to survive. If you do, they got all the sun they need. They got all the nutrients. All they need is the water. So what do they do? They yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. Everything they do prospers. It stands. It survives. They're able to build on what they've accomplished. But compare that with the wicked. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. That whatever they do, it's kind of here and then it's gone. It doesn't have any permanence. And so the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, I don't know about you. When I read that, that sounds very fire and brimstone. It sounds kind of harsh. It's God's going to judge them. And maybe that's part of this. But again, the Psalms are usually not talking about something far down the road. They're usually talking about something right here, right now. And and I think that even if it is talking, even if it includes the idea of final judgment, that's not probably the point that the psalmist is trying to make. There, there's an idea in Hebrew thought life. Jesus refers to it in one of his parables. We heard the parable earlier. The idea is it's not about the judgment. It's about what happens between now and the judgment. So Jesus tells this parable about a man who comes along and says, uh, this tree is not yielding any fruit. Cut it down. And the gardener, the gardener who is basically Jesus in the parable, um, the gardener says, don't be so hasty. You know, there'll be a time for that. But let's let's spend some effort, let's invest something in this and see what comes of it. And so the idea is, what happens with the time you've got? You know, it's not a question of, did you make a mistake? Did you, did you ruin your life? The question is, you've got time, what are you going to do with it? Do you want to have another bad relationship? Do you want to have another bad marriage? Do you want to have another bad report card? What are you going to do with the time you do have? Much more than what happens at the far end. The psalmist is saying, the the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Uh, The idea here is probably when people get together, they say, they say, hey, I've got a problem. Can you give me some help with it? I'm trying to figure out what to do in this situation. When, when you confer with people, our village has a problem. We're trying to figure out what to do about this problem facing our village. When people get together and they, they think things over, the wicked, no one's going to pay any attention to them because they look at them and they say, there's no permanence to what they do. They're just living for the now. They, they, they Everything just kind of turns to chaff and is blown away by the wind. They don't have roots that go down to the water. So they do not stand in the congregation of the righteous. When they get together with the other righteous people, people say, 
you know, you're not really invited because I don't have anything, you don't have anything I want to hear. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. The wicked are not so, they will not stand in the judgment. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. There's this path again. The way that God has watched over, the way that God, God knows the lay of the land there. God has given you a map that will help you navigate this path. The other one, you're on your own. You're trying to figure it out. The, the, the way of the wicked, you'll get into the deep weeds and you're going to perish there. So that's the idea. The song is over, you know, time for the commercial. So what do we do with this while the commercial is playing? What do we do with the psalm here? What is, what is the idea here? How do you have a happy life? The idea is you put your roots down, not into water, but into God's word. You delight in God's instruction. So if you do that, there will be dry times. Just like with everybody else. There's no promise here. Your life is not going to be pain-free and problem-free if you put your roots down into God's Word. What the psalmist is saying is when you have those problems, you will have a reservoir you can tap into to get you through the dry times. So that's the big idea. And the question is, how do you do it? You know, the, the problem we have is that's great, but I don't carry a Bible with me when I get into the car wreck. I don't carry a Bible with me when I'm in the hospital unexpectedly in the ER. What do you do there? Well, the psalmist wasn't expecting you to have a Bible. In his day, no one had Bibles, or very few people did. They memorized things. And that's why this is the first psalm in the book. He's saying, I'm about to give you 150 psalms of great advice. There's some great things in here. And if you memorize them, if you commit these things to memory, then they will help you when you have problems. So how do you do that? Well, how did you know what color the submarine was? Okay. How did you know what happened to the witch? How do we know these things? We just know, right? Repetition, we hear it, it's a catchy tune, it gets stuck in our head, and then it's there all day long, and you just can't get rid of the thing. You know, that's what the psalmist is saying. Songs are great for that. The way you can learn what God has to tell you is by listening to the Psalms. Now, I don't know, maybe music is not your thing. Let me, let me, if, if music is not your thing, you can't find the Psalm you're looking for in music. Um, there's 87 versions of Psalm 23, for example, but you can't find one you like. Try reading them. One of the great things about the Psalm is because the poems are prayers. They're either listening to God, like here, where we're hearing God tell us, how we can have a happy life. Or they're asking God questions. So you say, I should be a prayer. You know, I'm not a very prayerful person. I don't know what to say. I don't, I'm not good at prayer. Pray the Psalms. Read through them. And you're either going to be hearing from God or you're going to be speaking to God. And you say, well, actually, that's not my situation. But you know what? The guy down the street, he's going through this exact problem. And maybe God will speak to you that way through the Psalms. So whether you listen to them as music and they get stuck in your head like an earworm or, or whether, whether you read them as a prayer, the psalmist is telling us this is the secret to a happy life. He says they are like streams planted by streams of water. Dry times will come, but you will endure. You will yield your fruit in season and your leaves will not weather in all that you do. You will prosper. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the Psalms. We thank you that 
you do not leave us simply with advice or warnings about our eternal destiny, but you give us day-to-day practical wisdom for how we can navigate our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would um, put into our paths, um, that you would help us to locate and, and find songs and psalms that help us to meditate every day on the wisdom that you have given us. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.